Okay, Joshua. Uh, the life of Joshua can be gleaned from uh, the entire book of Joshua, 24 chapters. And there are passages in Numbers, passages in Deuteronomy, uh, and then there is an indirect reference in Hebrews 11, verse 30. Too much. There's too much. There's so many things we can learn from Joshua, all right? And I was reflecting and meditating on this. Uh, three lessons pops up at me very clearly, for me personally. And I thought that would be uh, good and edifying for you. And these three lessons uh, uh, transcend from the time Joshua was appointed as a leader to all the time when he has his farewell address to, for him to finish well. Joshua finished well. I'm just thinking of the situation that we are in with this pandemic that is trying to be an endemic and so forth. Uh, is it going to get any better? The simple answer is from scriptures is no. Things are not going to get better. In fact, things are going to be more challenging because the Bible says lawlessness will increase. In the world, you will have trouble. And therefore, as the people of God, I was just thinking, how do we navigate uh, in these end times, these turbulent times? All right? So Joshua, we know in Joshua chapter 1, uh, he took over from Moses as the leader. After the death of Moses, the Lord spoke to Joshua personally. Spoke to him personally. Say, arise, go, go to the land which I'm giving them, to Israel. From this we learn, if you recall, the eight messages at the start of the year, when they talk about the time of the end. I say that God dealt with three categories of people. First, mankind, which subsequently became the Gentiles. All right? And because of the sin and the violence and the wickedness, then God called for Himself a people, subsequently called Israel, subsequently we refer to them as Israelites, we refer to them as Hebrews, and we refer to them as Jews. And God had a special covenant with them uh, that involved the land. And today we see it in uh, uh, Partial fulfillment, Israel has not occupied the entire land that is spelled out in scriptures. All right? And then because of their fallenness, they rebel against God. God sent the prophets, He sent the kings, He sent the priests, and they rebelled God. And the ultimate last straw, he, they crucified the Savior. They, re, they rejected Him as Messiah, as Yeshua HaMashiach. And God in His mercy called out another people's group. And we know that we are part of this people's group called the church. So today, anybody, a Jew, a Gentile, anybody who receives Jesus as Lord and Savior, we are a part of the church and God has a special covenant with the church based on better promises. We have learned all that at the start of the year. All right? So back to Joshua, uh, his farewell address, chapter 24 of Joshua, when he was 110 years old. And he says, and tell Israel, fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods, all the idols, all the false gods. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. And then Joshua declared, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Single-minded. 110 years, we will serve the Lord. So how do we navigate? So we need to make up our minds. I was just thinking, what will be the three life lessons? And I was reflecting to, through uh, three life lessons, and as uh, Pastor Kogwan was teasing last week, Joshua will lead you to the promised land. If you apply these three life lessons, you will finish well. If you apply these three life lessons, it will help you navigate through these turbulent times that we are receiving in. All right? Firstly, we must receive the wisdom of God through His people. 
It means that we must be firmly plugged in the kingdom of God. We must be firmly plugged in the larger church and in this local church, BBTC. Then we must continually refresh our altar of worship to go after the presence of God, to connect with God. Like what Jacob did, he lay hold, he wrestled with the man of God until he says, unless you bless me, I will not let you go. That kind of hunger and thirst and desperation. And finally, we must remain rooted to the Word. Let's go through each of these three principles. Firstly, receive the wisdom of God through His people. Deuteronomy 34, 9 says that Joshua was full of the spirit of wisdom. How? For Moses had laid his hands on him. Moses laid his hands on him. A pastor, an elder, someone would have laid his hands on you, so to speak, when they water baptize you. Or somebody will lay his hands on you when they pray for you and when they pray with you. And we know that uh, one of the applications we need to do is to have a mentor, have a life coach, have a discipler in our lives. Now, don't get stuck with the labels. Have someone who will speak into your life, someone who will journey with you as you walk with God, as you walk through life with all, its, all the mountains and all the valleys. I remember when I was a teenager, uh, I came to know the Lord when I was 13 years old, one tree. And when I was 14 and 15, those days in Bethesda Katong, the mother church of BPTC, I would cycle all the way to the home of Dr. Benjamin Chu. He was living then in St. Patrick's uh, Garden. I was stay, staying in Juchet Road. And I said, Doc, doctor, we call him doctor, teach me the word. And I was getting a group of guys who was cycling there and there on every, can't remember, every Wednesday, every Thursday. Then he would be expounding the word of God. Then we ask him questions and they'd be doing and fro. And of course, after that, I look forward to the supper. It would be the canned longan or the canned pineapple. Or what. I'm talking about the 60s, the late 60s. Have a man of God pray over you. And I remember hanging around with Mr. T.C. Cole, the late elder, uh, in his car, and he is one guy who is very pastoral. He go to hospitals, he do the visitation, and I'll hang around with him. I'll hang around with another man called Freddie Ho with Scripture Union on his scooter, on, right, riding right behind him, putting on that clumsy helmet. And those days, as a teenager going for Scripture Union camps, some, uh, normally one camp a year, sometimes two camps a year, learning. Have men and God, women of God. And then in the mission school that I went to, in, the, in secondary school, there was this lady teacher, uh, a Mrs. Mary Soon. And she was very instrumental. She was like a mother, a spiritual mother over me and helping me. Have a man of God, a woman of God, all right? Uh, you don't have to have someone with big titles, whatever. Someone who will be a discipler. Someone who will be a man of God, a woman of God speaking into your life. As we look further at Joshua, in Numbers 27, it tells us that um, Mo, God told Moses, take Joshua all right, and set him before Eliezer the priest. Who is Eliezer? Now, we know that Moses had a brother called Aaron, who became the first high priest of Israel. Aaron has got four sons. His two older sons died because God struck them dead when they were fooling around in the tabernacle. This is in Leviticus chapter 10. The first two sons is Nadab and Abihu. Then came Eliezer, and I think the fourth son is called Itamar. So here was Aaron with the four sons, and there was Moses with this very young man called Joshua. And I submit to you, Joshua is a contemporary of Eliezer. They grew up together. Perhaps I think Eliezer was maybe a few years older. And here in this passage, we are told, 
set Joshua before Eliezer the priest because Eliezer took over Aaron as a high priest and before the, all the congregation. And verse 21, he shall stand before Eliezer the priest who shall inquire before the Lord for him. Eliezer became Joshua's prayer partner. Eliza became Joshua's uh, uh, covering, so to speak, in bringing him before the Lord and going before the Lord to hear the Lord. What is the Lord saying? Here you are, a young man, Joshua, or you're going through this problem, that issue, climbing this mountain, crossing that valley. And here was Eliza also impacting the life of Joshua. In Deuteronomy 138, God commanded uh, Moses, Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, Moses, what did God tell Moses to do? Encourage him. As a young man growing up, sometimes you face all kinds of resistance, all kinds of people who will criticize you, who will mock at you, and so forth. The Lord told Moses, Encourage Joshua. Verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 28, Deuteronomy, command Joshua, encourage him, strengthen him. Joshua had people in his life that would shape his life, that would shape his walk with God to turn him into a man of God a warrior for God. <clears throat> and when Moses was on the mountain, <clears throat> it was Joshua who led Israel <clears throat> into the battle. So have people to speak into your life. Joshua had Moses. Elijah had Elijah. Esther had Mordecai. Esther, a young girl in the palace, what would she do? But there was Mordecai. Some say it is the uncle, some say it is the cousin, but he's a lot older than her, and she will go to him for advice. She will pose questions to him. And Mordecai will be the one guiding Esther in her journey to become the queen, the queen of Persia. Jesus had the 12 disciples, but amongst the 12, he had the three in the core, Peter, James, and John. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul told Timothy, the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, and trust it to reliable men, faithful men. Where do you begin? For those of us who are married with children, establish your family altar. I recall in the years when my two sons were young, all right, they would gather their Bibles and their notebooks uh, when they were in primary school, and every Sunday afternoon, we'll have our family altar, our family time. They would talk, we ask questions, and they'll be taking, checking the references in the Bible and making notes. Fast forward to today. We try to meet on Sunday evenings too for dinner. And from time to time, we try to have a time of family prayer. I'm glad to announce now I'm a grandfather of five grandchildren. And then the oldest grandchildren, uh, at just after four years old, he also wants to pray and join in. Begin in the family, begin husbands and wives, between siblings and then within your cell group. The source of all wisdom comes from the Holy Spirit. We're told in Acts chapter 6, where deacons were first appointed, Seven men of good reputation, they were full of the Holy Spirit and they were full of wisdom. Now we move to the church. We all have access to all the wisdom. You can have as much of the wisdom of God as you want. And we're told in 2 Timothy 1.7, we are given the Holy Spirit and He's the Spirit of wisdom, of power, so the Spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. The word sound mind is the word wisdom. And we know from Isaiah 11, there's a sevenfold dimension of the Spirit of the living God. And one of the dimensions, He is the Spirit of wisdom. What do we need to do continually? Always be diligent to ask God for His wisdom. 
Ephesians 5.15 reminds us, see that you walk circumspectly. Circumspectly have the idea of walking very carefully so that you will not trip and fall. My father is 97 years old. He has to walk very carefully. Over the course of the last 20 years, he has fallen a few times. Now he walks with a walker and every step is deliberate. Those of us who are getting older, one of the things we have got to be very careful is not to fall. Walk circumspectly, and Paul says here, not as fools, but as wise. We need to walk wisely. And in verse 17, he repeats that, Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And in life, we see and notice there's a number of people, Christians, and regardless of your titles and whatever profession you come from, and many have made mistakes and failed and have, have blunders here and there because of acts of foolishness. I myself am guilty of that. Acts of foolishness, wrong choices, wrong investments, you have lost some money here and there because you have relied on friendship, you have relied on this rather than objectivity and looking at the things as it should be. We need the wisdom of God. And this is a posture we must adopt. Joshua made two significant failures when you look at the book of Joshua. There were two significant failures. But these failures drove him to cry out to God and to argue with God and to ask God, what happened? After the victory of Joshua chapter 6, which is the battle of Jericho, the very next chapter, they lost the next battle, the battle of Ai. And Joshua was angry, he was prostrate, and they laid before God and asked God, Why? The earlier battle they won. Didn't you promise, Lord, that we will enter the promised land and conquer all the cities? And God gave the answer. Joshua 7, 11, Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant. They have taken some of the accursed things which He has commanded them not to touch them. Verse 12, Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before the enemies because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed from among you. One major principle we can glean from here, God is always on our side. But if we disobey God, if we walk away from God and give permission to the devil, and this is what Israel did, they took of the accursed things whom God warned them, don't touch the accursed things. What Achan did, and it caused them to lose that particular battle. New Testament principle, what is the principle for us? Do not give the devil a ground. Don't give the devil an open door into your life. Don't give the devil permission to steal, kill and destroy. Don't give the devil a foothold in your life. Constantly come under the blood. Do we make mistakes and fail? We do. What do we do? 1 John 1, 9. Confess, repent and ask the Lord to forgive you, to cleanse you and to cover you. One of my daily prayers, whenever we partake the, the Holy Communion, when I take and drink the wine, one of the things the cup does, it reminds us of the shed blood of Christ. The shed blood of Christ provides forgiveness, cleansing and covering. And when I pray the part of covering, I thank you, Lord, that the blood of Jesus covers every area of my life. And I say and declare what Jesus declares in John 14, 30, the devil has nothing in me. Keep short accounts with God. Keep very short accounts with God so that the devil has nothing in you. The second failure was when they were deceived by the Gibeonites. And again, what happened? 
Joshua went before the Lord and this was the verdict. Joshua 9, 14. The men of Israel took some of the Gibeonite provisions but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. And this is very important. Be diligent to always seek the counsel of the Lord, the wisdom of the Lord. One of, the, one of my responsibilities as the senior pastor is to plan the pulpit. Of course, I get inputs from the elders and the pastors. And next month, the whole month of October, it's on this theme, common questions we must have handles to every believer. We must have all answers to questions. Where is God? Why is my prayer not answered? Why is there pain and suffering in the world? We have a short one-minute video. Let's look at what is coming up in October. I don't know about you, even as, as a senior pastor here, when I, this is one of, the most, one of the most difficult things for me to do, which is to plant a pulpit. On the one hand, it can be very easily done, but that is done in the flesh. But it's hard to really think of the theme and the topics and to preach on some of the topics. And I myself am the best learner. One of the things I've learned, for example, in the month of May, when we read the book of Hebrews, I didn't speak. All right, we have about two or three elders who spoke. And I learned this thing about things. God was speaking particularly to me, God disappointments with God. God disappointments with God. Whenever our prayers are not answered, whenever we stumble on something, when something that is negative or bad happens to us, God our hearts. Because when we are disappointed with God, what happens is in Hebrews it tells us it will lead to the hardness of heart. What happens is a layer of hardness comes over our heart, our spirit. And it causes spiritual blindness. And then when I did the message, I can't remember, uh, what was the message? When we look at the, la the lady who sang, all right, Nightbird. And this was what I picked up. She made this phrase, know that life, happiness, our happiness, our life, comprise more than one factor. In the case, she had cancer. And she says that she's not going to allow cancer to derail her for the rest of her life. For some of us, it is a failure. For some of us, it is a mistake. It may be a money that has been lost through an investment, a bad investment. It can be a health issue, as in uh, Nightbird. Or it's a failed relationship. Or it's a job matter, you have this struggle with a colleague or with your boss. Or it's a situation that is totally outside your control. I'm just thinking of the last one month. There are two situations that is not in my control. I had wanted many times to intervene, but I've left it to people and I've got to let them go through the course of completing and closing the loop. It's outside of my control. What do I do? Let's pray. 2 Corinthians 4 1 reminds us do not lose heart. Be always diligent to seek his wisdom. Over the years, I preached this message. We need to learn to handle SAF. <laughs> All right. And BBDC, we kid around. SAF stands for stress, anxieties, and fears. 
Stress, anxieties, and fears. A quick summary. How do we handle stress? We need strength. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Where do we find strength? Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Where do you find the joy of the Lord? Psalm 16.11, in His presence is fullness of joy. And then how do you enter His presence? You enter His gifts with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. So what is the solution to stress? Build your altar of thanksgiving, praise, and worship. How do you handle anxieties and worries? Philippians 6, 4, 6, and 7 says, pray. Tell it to God. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast your cares to God. Tell God all the details. God can take it. And you can even vent your frustration to God. And Matthew 11, Jesus invites us, come to Him with our burdens and our weariness. Fears. Why do we have fears from time to time? I don't know about you. I have fears from time to time. What will happen uh, if this, that, and the other about health, just, just now at the break between the services, I was just talking to two pastors about uh, uh, medical insurance, and the one had an accident a few months ago, and then uh, another had a, a, a close family member who had cancer and got to go for treatment. And just talking about all the medical options, all right, all kinds of fears. But 1 John 4 18 says, when we are plucked and perfected in the Father's love, every fear is gone. And that is a journey. And we must go through the journey. 2 Timothy 1.7, we have not received the spirit of fear because fear is not only an emotion, fear is a demonic spirit. And finally, Psalm 27 verse 1, what is darkness? It is the absence of light. So we make the Lord is our light and our salvation. Whom shall we fear? It is the stronghold of our, of our lives. Of whom shall we be afraid? BBTC core values, all the core values you have heard from time to time, although we kid around from the pulpit, they are all wisdom from above. They are all downloads from heaven. For example, win the war of your relationship with the person. Choose your battles to fight, especially between wives and husbands, husbands and wives, or between parents and children, especially teenage and adult children, or between colleagues, or between a brother and sister in the Lord. Relationship takes time to build, and so on and so forth, our core values. All right? So the first principle, always seek the wisdom of God through the people of God, all right? Now, the second principle is refresh your worship to go after the presence of God. In the case of Joshua, in Exodus 33, it's recorded in verse 9, Moses entered the tabernacle. Now, this is Old Covenant. The Old Covenant, the presence of God is in the ark in the tabernacle of Moses. Moses entered the tabernacle, the pillar of cloud descended, literally enveloped the whole tabernacle. And Moses stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord spoke to Moses one-to-one. -one. All the people, verse 10, all the people of Israel, they saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door. They rose and they worshipped each man where? In their respective tents. Then we have this record of Joshua, verse 11. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And then after that, what did Moses do? Moses went back to his tent. But his servant Joshua, a young man, he was very young then, he did not depart from the tabernacle. Literally, he did not depart from the presence of God. He loved the presence of God. Joshua observed, he studied Moses who went after the presence of God. God himself declared that I speak with Moses face to face, something we learned at last weekend's message. But Joshua learned. He learned from Moses 
And he heard Moses pray this prayer when Moses told the Lord, Lord, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. How would the heathen, how would the nations know that you are our God unless you go with us, unless you give us favour? And the testimony that God spoke regarding Moses, that in all Israel, there isn't someone like Moses whom the Lord knew face to face. A quick reminder about how we go into the presence of God. We often say how to be holy. We need to separate from the things that defile us and separate ourselves to God. But many a times when we try to separate from, we get entangled. There are a lot of struggles. I was just talking to a brother the other day uh, who was overseeing a group of youths. And he said, from some of these youths, they are struggling with pornography. And before they can even separate to God, they are, here they are entangled with pornography. Or some people struggle with the loose tongue or struggle about stealing or struggle about a bad relationship with their mother or their father. All right? But we need to do both simultaneously. We need to separate from the things that are not good from, for us and simultaneously and separate to God. How? As a true worshipper. How to be a true worshipper? We've learned this over the years in BBTC. A quick recap. Number one, we must decide to worship God. Decide. And as what we have learned uh, in, in recent weeks, don't waste your time here. We say many a times, don't waste your time. You come to, you make all the effort to take bus, to take MRT, to drive here, all right, fight traffic, fight car park. When you come here, be very intentional. Cast all your, uh, that second thing, everything that you do, be guided by the Word of God and the Spirit of God. The worship team, the worship pastor, some of the pastors, myself, we, they scrutinize the songs that we sing. The songs that we sing has to be theocentric, theo meaning God. It has to be vertical. Because the half an hour of worship that we have, the corporate worship, is very precious. Don't waste time. Uh, how we arrived at this today is a long story. About 20 years ago, we used to have what we call open worship. And then uh, uh, somebody suggested then a hymn which the veteran organist took 10 to 12 minutes to find the scores. And for the precious half an hour, 15 minutes is already gone. We have not even sung or done anything. And I said, then, it doesn't work for a congregation. That time, I was a 250, 300 people. The one maybe for a cell group, for 20, 30 people, it will work fine. You can hear each other and you're familiar. But thank God we make the decision for led worship. Equally, a lot of time and effort spent. What songs do we sing? how to tread the songs and so forth. And as we decide, we need to know that we have right standing with God. How? It's not how long you pray or how much of the Bible you read. We have right standing with God. We can always come to God based on two things. Number one, the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus covers us perfectly so that when Father God looks at us, He looks at us as if we have no sin. We have the righteousness of God. And secondly, our passport, our pin, to enter, the key to enter the presence of God is Jesus, our high priest. This is all in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 to 23. All right? Then after that, you intend to worship God and then you worry, oh, next week you've got to do a presentation to your boss. Next week you got this meeting uh, with this colleague. Next week you got order, you got something at home or you are a caregiver. What do you do? Cast all your cares and anxieties to the Lord. As the thoughts come, just cast it to the Lord. All right? So you are free from it. And then begin to, with thanksgiving. And then we, what do we thank God for? We thank God for what He has done. We thank God for what He has given to us. Thank God that we can stay healthy. Thank God we can come in clean, go out clean. 
One of the things I love the prayer by one of the worship team members last week or the week before that, that this is a protected place. Everybody comes in clean and go out clean. Today, we only have six cases reported and they're all indirect cases. We've got one case in Mandarin worship, one case in the youth church, one case of a young adult, one case of two cases of the, in our Telugu service, all right, and one of an adult reported by the cell pastors. Other than that, no. We just need to pray that we always come in clean and go out clean with praise. Praise has got to do with the names of God. Praise has got to do with the character of God, the attributes of God. And finally, worship. The ultimate act of worship is surrender. What is one life lesson from Jacob? We know that Jacob was devious, he was scheming. It was surrender. You study again Genesis 28 all the way to Genesis 35. There's one particular place called Battle. It was earlier known as Luz, L-U-Z. It's when Jacob wrestled with the man from God, the angel, all right? And when he finally got told him in chapter 35 to go back to battle, it's about Jacob's journey of brokenness. God will always revive the heart of the broken and revive the spirit of the humble. And that's what Joshua did. Before he conquered Jericho, he encountered not the man angel, he encountered the Lord himself. How do we know that? In John, Joshua chapter 5, in verse 14, here was the commander of the army of the Lord of hosts. The Hebrew name is Jehovah Sebaf, the Lord of hosts. And what did Joshua do? Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped. This is what Bible scholars call Christophany, Christ appearing in human form in the Old Testament. Because if we know in Revelations, if it is a mere angel, the mere angel told, told the Apostle John, don't bow down, don't kneel down. I am your fellow laborer in the Lord. I am not God. We both worship God. Here is Joshua worshiping the Lord. And what does the commander say in verse 15? Take off your sandals, for this is holy ground. When is the ground holy? Wherever the presence of the Lord is. Right now, this place is holy. Because you are here, I'm here. And we are carriers of the presence of God. Our bodies, our lives are temples of the Holy Spirit. Tonight at 11pm, what is this place? It's just a hall. It's just a physical, natural place. But it becomes holy when we come into the presence of God, when we ourselves are here. So victory comes from obedience to the Lord's instructions. Earlier on, before Jericho, Joshua led Israel to cross the river Jordan. And how and when did they cross the river Jordan? At flood stage. At flood stage, it is most dangerous and almost impossible. But there, Joshua led Israel across the river Jordan. And after that, when it came to conquering Jericho, he knew, he knew the drill. What is the drill? Obey every instruction from the Lord. So much so that Jericho is like a piece of cake. I mean, it's like cartoon. First day, go around Jericho, everybody keeps quiet. Go one round around Jericho. Second day, one round. On the seventh day, seven rounds. And at the end of the seventh round, everybody shout at the top of your voice, blow the shofar. The sound waves of their voices, the sound waves of the shofar, supernatural, and the waves cause the walls of Jericho to collapse inward. 
There's always the human part, the natural, and the God part, which is the super, and it comes in, and this is recorded in Hebrews 11.30, the indirect reference to Joshua, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. Joshua learned this. As we pursue the presence of God, we will be changed. We will be transformed. You know, now we've got four services. Usually we have three services. I remember years ago, some of the pastors would come to me. They call me SP. SP, why, why you have to come for all three services? All right, why don't you just come for one? The other two take a break and rest and so forth. Uh, I say, no, it's okay. All right, because I've learned over the years. And I'll tell you what I actually do. Now we've got four services. I will actually, actually worship the Lord all four services. And every worship in each of the services is slightly different. I'll confess to you, uh, it will capture about between 70 to 90% of the half an hour slot. And what I do most of the time, I'll close my eyes and just focus on the Lord, and sometimes I'll be taken into a different realm, so to speak, to connect with God, deep to deep, spirit to spirit. But when it comes to hearing the Word, all right, I'll hear the 2 o'clock service and give feedback so that at the 5 o'clock service, the speaker adds on a few more scriptures, polish up a few more PowerPoint slides, all right? Sunday morning, listen for one time, and by Sunday, the second service, I confess to you, I will just read my scriptures, check the Bible verses and so forth. But when it comes to worship, it is different. What happens during worship? You'll be refreshed. I learned over the years, sometimes you are tired, you're worried with this battle and that battle, the love of the Father comes. In life, we experience the hits, H-I-T-S, and the hurts of ministry, the hits and hurts of life, of work, of relationships. But when you worship the Lord, something happens supernaturally. You'll be refreshed, recharged, rejuvenated, rebooted, reinvigorated, renewed, revived. Scriptures will be changed to Corinthians 3. The Holy Spirit is the one that will change us from glory to glory. And we grow from strength to strength. That's how we get supernatural strength. And we grow in levels of faith. Sometimes there is an impartation of faith to do certain things. Sometimes when you pray for certain people, you just well up with a certain level of bonus and courage. And sometimes you, you receive grace to do whatever the Lord wants you to do. Two to three weeks ago, I asked a group of people from 20s to the 60s, and I posed to them several questions about worship. And I got a whole stack of replies over the last two, three weeks. And just to read to you about wisdom and worship. And one of them, for example, says in one of the sessions in the corporate worship, all right, he was closing his eyes and then he had a vision of a finger. He, he was downtrodden, all right? He was, he was very down. And the Lord came to minister to affirm this guy. He saw a vision of a finger from the stage pointing at him. And there was these words. He just heard inaudibly, with you, I am well pleased. And to him, he just melted and he just, just wept. And he just said, God says, I know your situation. I will take care of you. Just keep pressing on. There was another person who wrote this. Uh, I was overwhelmed just with gratitude and thanksgiving. For someone, I would just reflect on the words of Scripture. I will reflect on the lyrics of the song. There's another guy. There was an issue of compromise in my life. I felt an immense weight upon me. But somehow or other, during the worship, as I prayed as I sang and worshipped the Lord, I felt the weight lifted up from me and I just crumbled to the floor. All right? If I were high school, you don't see people crumbling on the floor. Uh, I've learned over the years to become more intentional and to give God extravagant worship. I try to totally focus on the Lord, 
I try to connect with Him. I try to, whatever thoughts come to my mind, whatever is distracting, I'll just commit it to the Lord. These other guys wrote, I don't, sometimes I don't feel like worshipping God. God seems so far away. But what I do is I'll just close my eyes and just pause and relax. And then from time to time, I just felt an overwhelming sense of God embracing me in His love. And sometimes I'll just pray my personal prayer tongues to connect with God. There are a lot of things in my mind, but I just focus on His goodness and His love. There's this other guy who wrote, all right, during the time of worship, sometimes the words of the song is just like Rima speaking to me. It will bring comfort that I'm on the right track. It will encourage that what I'm doing is right. Or sometimes it is a rebuke from the Lord on my sinful ways. Recently, we were singing the song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. I was brought back to the hospital scene where I was ministering to a dying friend. The Lord comforted me that our labour was never in vain. While I didn't see what I hoped for, for His ultimate healing will come to this person. But I must continue to turn my eyes on Him. And I could just go on and on. All right? uh, I'm sure many of you will have your own testimonies of worshipping the Lord, of receiving wisdom. All right? uh, I was at the, the Bible school uh, recently, and the question was posed about eternity. What is it going to be like? Is it going to be boring? Are we going to take the harp and play the harp and every day sing hymns to the Lord? <laughs> I said, no. It's going to be a lot more exciting. Because when we go into eternity, we have the glorious body. This body is corrupt and mortal. The glorious body can go through walls. At one moment, you blink, you can be in another planet. Why? The psalmist knows this in Psalms uh, 27 or so. One thing I ask, one thing I seek, to see the beauty of the Lord. You know that God is going to be so attractive. If God is not attractive, it's going to be so boring. But David had a glimpse of the beauty of the Lord. He wrote in Psalm 27 verse 4. In Psalm 16 11, it says God will make known to us the path of life. That in His presence is fullness of joy and His right hand are pleasures forevermore. If you enjoy your Mao Sang Wang top grade, all right? The black gold is a certain kind of pleasure. You enjoy a certain kind of Godiva chocolate is a certain kind of pleasure. You enjoy going on holidays and seeing the scenery is a certain kind of pleasure. But he says at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. 1 Corinthians 2 says, Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard what God will prepare for those who love him. So I was just sharing as I was just talking. It's going to be so exciting. It's going to be so glorious. It's going to be so pleasurable. It's going to be so attractive. And right now, we operate just with our human physical dimension. Then we're going to have multiple dimensions of senses. That's what heaven is going to be when we spend time and eternity with God. Finally, the third principle, remain rooted to the Word of God to prosper. Joshua prospered because he meditated, he applied, he confessed the Word of God, and he did the Word of God. Joshua 1.8, we are very familiar with. He says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, all right, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. We must know the Word of God, hear the Word of God, apply the Word of God, and speak forth the Word of God. Say what the Bible says. Declare what Scripture declares. You are a precious daughter of the Lord. You are totally forgiven, as we were told by Pastor Kokwan last week. We are completely accepted. Pursue a guilt-free, no-condemnation relationship with God. Don't allow the devil to constantly sow guilt and condemnation and derail you. Joshua was very clear on this. So that in Joshua chapter 8, in the presence of Israel, Joshua wrote again the Ten Commandments. He wrote again the law of Moses. 
After that, he read it to the children of Israel. He read the blessings and the curses according to all that is written in the book of the law, Joshua 8, 34. And verse 35, there was not a word of all that Moses had commanded which Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel with the women, the children, and the strangers, the Egyptians who left with them across the Red Sea. Joshua was very diligent to know the Word of God. Miracles happen because Joshua believed in the Word of God and he heeded the Word of God. In Joshua chapter 10, there was a battle. But firstly, before the battle, there was a promise in verse 8. The Lord said to Joshua, do not fear them. I have delivered them, past tense. I have delivered them into your hand. He hasn't fought the battle yet. And not a man of them shall stand before you. This was the promise Joshua received. Then he went into the battle and the Lord fought for them. The song we sang, the battle belongs to the Lord. Verse 10, the Lord routed them before Israel. Verse 11, the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven. More died from the hailstones than from the sword. And then because it was towards evening time, it was going to be sunset. But the battle is not over yet. It has yet to be fought. What did Joshua do? Joshua spoke to the Lord. He prayed. And after he prayed, what did he say? He declared, sun, stand still over Gibeon and moon, stand still in the valley of Ajalon. He basically asked for an extension of daylight so that they could finish the battle. So verse 13 of Joshua 10, the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the people had revenge on their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there has not been a day, verse 14, like this, before or after it, that the Lord heeded the voice of a man for the Lord's fought for Israel. There may not be a miracle like this until the rapture. We live in time. God is outside of time. There are some things we do in time, mistakes that we are reaping the negative consequences. And this is where we can ask God for mercy to step into our time, to redeem to be merciful, to mitigate, to reduce the negative consequences or whatever we have done wrong. This is our God. He, we live in time. He is outside our time. But He is the creator of time and He can step into our time. One of the things we pray as we partake the Holy Communion, the blood of Jesus. Colossians 1.20 says, the blood of Jesus reconciles everything in our lives from earth to heaven and heaven to earth. So there may be things that we can, we, 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 the person has already passed on. The person is no longer in Singapore. You're no longer in contact with the person and you do not know what is this outstanding matter. Apply the blood of Jesus over that transaction. Apply the blood of Jesus over that relationship, over that matter, that incidence, the circumstance. God will reconcile it for us. Joshua 23, Joshua's farewell message to Israel. Verse 60 says, Therefore, be very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book. I ponder over this for a while. Why do we need to be courageous? Actually, we need courage. We need courage to obey the Word of God. We need courage to keep the Word of God because people around us may not be obedient to the Word of the Lord. And sometimes you may be the only person in the family, you may be the only person in the cell group, the only person in the office. When you heed the Word of the Lord, the Lord is with us. The Lord tells us to be courageous to keep His Word. 
And he goes on to say, uh, in verse uh, 8, hold fast to the Lord. And verse 9 is the verdict, no one has been able to stand against you this day. One man of you should chase a thousand. The Lord your God is he who fights for you as he promised you. Remain rooted to the word to prosper. The prosper is to succeed. Jesus said the same thing. John 15 verse 7, Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it is done. The word abide is to remain, to dwell, to stay, to be rooted. Same words. Like Psalms 91 verse 1, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. To abide, to remain, to stay, to be rooted, to dwell. It means have the Word of God with you all the time. So whenever you pray, cling to a promise of God. Stand upon the covenant with God. God, didn't you say this? Lord, didn't you say that? That you are the God of hope. You fill me with all joy and peace as I believe in you. God, didn't you say in your word that you work all things for good for me? Lord, didn't you say that you're a good, good father? Every good and perfect gift comes from you. Lord, you say there's no shifting of shadow with you. There's no variableness of turning because you are always the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are the faithful God. See, the more you know God, the more you experience God coming true for you. The more you experience the reality and the presence of God, you will finish well. What is the life lesson from Abraham? We talk about the life lesson of Moses. He had intimacy with God. He communed with God face to face. The life lesson of Jacob. He believed in the presence of God. He wrestled all right, and battle was, the, was a milestone in the life of Jacob, his brokenness in encountering the Lord. The life lesson from Abraham, this verse sticks in my mind. He believed the word of God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham, that's why he's known as our father of faith. He believed the word of God. Whatever God said, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Right standing with God, right believing, right doing. What's the life lesson from Joseph? Same thing. He believed the covenant promises of God. Where was Joseph? In the land of Egypt. But he gave instructions when he was, he was, he was dying. He says, when I die, take my bones with you. Do not leave my bones in Egypt. Bring my bones into Canaan, the promised land, because God will bring the entire Israelites, the entire nation back to the promised land. That's where I want my bones to be buried. He gave instruction regarding his bones. That's why it's recorded in Hebrews 11, 22. He believed the covenant of God for Israel. He believed the promises of God. And this is what will anchor us as we go through difficult times. The promises of God. The anchor of God. I don't know about you. I find myself ever since the last two, three years praying and looking for the blessed hope. Titus 2, 12, 13, 14. The blessed hope. And what is the blessed hope? The rapture of the church. As you look at events that is happening, you look at the whole set of scriptures sitting. Daniel chapter 9, the, the 70 years that is set for Israel, one year is outstanding, which is the one, year of, one week of seven years of the tribulation. You look at and study how God deals with Israel, His covenant, with the church, and with the Gentiles. We are looking for the blessed hope. Testimonies, 
Look at this host tag. There are various people uh, clinging on to various promises. One brother, he was standing on 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9. He has a medical condition and he received the word, God says, my grace is sufficient for you. I will see you through. Paul had a thorn in his flesh. God is telling him his grace is sufficient. This other brother says he keeps a journal and every half a year he'll read through his journal and witness how God answers his many, many questions. There's a parent who had difficulty dealing with his teenage child and he was quite hard. And then John 1, 17 passed out at him. Jesus was full of grace and truth. He was going on the side of truth that the son was erring, erring and, and, and going on the wrong path, but he did not show any grace and he was convicted that you need to show grace and truth. Another sister was anxious, Philippians 4, 6 and 7, Romans 8, 28, we talk about that. Another brother talks about Genesis 15, 1. God is our shield and exceedingly great reward. And I can go on. What promises are you clinging on? Are you remaining in the Word to finish well? Joshua 1, 5, no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. This was God's promise to Joshua. Joshua 4.14, Israel revered Joshua all the days of his life. Another translation says, God exalted Joshua in the eyes of all Israel. And in conclusion, at 110 years old, Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and even the elders who outlived him. I want to pose some questions to us as I pose these questions for myself. Do you want to finish well? I realize in the next two, three years, the next three, four years, there'll be changes in my life in terms of the position, in terms of the job. Do I want to finish well? How will I position myself to finish well? Do I want to thrive or just survive the current crisis? Are you constantly stressed? There's a recent survey that says that Singaporeans are the most fatigued people in the world. Tough. Seven, eight adults in a HDB flat, three room, four room, all right, all working from home. Anxious, fearful. Are you currently facing a failure? Did you recently make a mistake? Or have you crowded God out of your life? In all your stress and worries and work, God is being squeezed out of your life. He's not in the equation for you. Or are you pursuing Him? Are you refreshing your altar of worship? Do you have people in the church, in the kingdom, in the body life that you are in regular fellowship? encouragement and wisdom. I have various mentoring groups. I have a mentoring group with a group of people who are not from this church. I have a mentoring group with pastors who are from the Brethren denomination. The elders we meet regularly for a mentoring group almost every month. I have a regular session with uh, the pastoral staff. We do the staff devotion. And there are people speaking to my life. Not only do we want to have a mentor, it's not necessarily someone older. You can have someone younger. We just need to learn. Is God's word and promises personal and real to you? Jesus already said in Luke 18, 8, when the Son of Man returns, will He find faith on this earth? I mentioned some months back that a quarter to a third of the church has already disconnected from the church. I believe a segment of them will never come back to the church. This is true in surveys all over the world. The government has thrown the ball into our court. We can, have, we can fill up the entire sanctuary. But the take-up rate is we still got capacity now. We've got capacity to take in a lot more people. For this 5 o'clock service, we can still take in the whole level 4. But many 
are struggling with their faith, some has already given up their faith as you're warned in Timothy. Jude chapter tr- uh, verse 3 tells us that we must contend for our faith. And if we don't contend for our faith, we will lose our faith. We must contend our relationship with God. And for some of us, it may be just by the skin of our teeth or just by a straw. We need to cling on to God. How? Jude verse 20 says, build up your most holy faith. And we must do that. How do we do all this? Where we apply all these three principles, worship, wisdom, and the Word of God. The people of God, the presence of God, so that we will prosper and succeed. Receive, refresh, and remain. Let's close our eyes as we close in prayer. I won't give the usual altar call, but I want to give you some time to reflect. Firstly, do you have people in your life that can speak into your life? Let's close your eyes for a moment and ask the Lord, who are the people that can speak into your life? Who are your mentors? Who are your disciples? Who are your fellow brothers and sisters? Who are your band of brothers? Who are your band of sisters? Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you. And as the Holy Spirit reveals to you, you can make a note in your phone, get into contact with them in the next one, two weeks, and intentionally meet up with them. It may be currently your existing cell group or your mentoring relationship, whatever. Get people into your life where the Lord will speak to you and where the Lord will impart to you His wisdom. God has created us to be part of a community. People who will value add into your life, people who will value multiply into your life. Don't miss this. You can never be a lone ranger Christian. Those of you watching online, the same thing goes for you. Do you have people in your life where God will speak to you through them? If God can use a donkey to speak to the prophet Balaam, He can use anybody. Take a few seconds to reflect on that. Secondly, regarding your worship life, your altar of worship. God wants you to refresh. For some of you, you may have to repair your altar. Some of you, you need to refresh your altar. And how? By intentionally going after the presence of God. We must experience the reality and the presence of God. Otherwise, the incidence of life is going to derail us. Otherwise, we'll get easily disappointed, easily hurt, easily offended. We'll be stumbling. Go after God. Go after God. Ask God for a fresh hunger. Ask God for a fresh thirst. God is beautiful. He is attractive. He is not dull. Guard the lies and the deception of the devil. Listen to testimonies. And finally, remain in the Word. Abide in the Word. Dwell in the Word. Stay in the Word. Find particular scriptures. Find particular promises of God. 
and cling to them. They are your life. And they will help you navigate through. Write them down. Put it in your phone. Put it on your mirror. Put it on your desktop. Put it in your wallet. Wherever you constantly, whatever you constantly regularly use. In your sitting in, you're lying down, you're getting up, you're coming in, you're going out. Remind yourself always with the Word of God. For the last two years, because of this COVID, I'm beginning to rewrite scriptures again on call cards and put it on my desk, even for myself, and then pray the Word of God. Pray the Word of God. As you bow your heads, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. These three principles, wisdom from God, through the people of God, refresh your worship to go after the presence of God, and finally remain rooted to the Word of God to prosper.